Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, South Valley, it's so good to see you guys this Sunday. Last Sunday was Easter. Did you guys have a great time this last Easter? Wasn't it amazing to see all the people on our campus? We saw people just just so excited to be here. And even last Wednesday, we were continuing to see salvations. We saw a student give his life to Jesus this last Wednesday. We've been seeing more and more people come to Christ. We got baptisms today, which was awesome. God is moving. Do you guys believe it? God is at work. He is moving in big ways. And I hope you guys are encouraged because I know that I am. And I just got to say, I needed to be encouraged today. This week for me was just one of those weeks, you know, just like it just, just never, just nothing worked out. And then on top of it, we had to deal with some, with some loss in, in our family. I had to go down to Palmdale and, and deal with some of that. And, and I just reminded when I come here on Sundays how much I need this time, this time to direct my focus on the Lord, to be reminded that he's in control, to be reminded that he's still good, and to see all of your faces and to hear all of you lift up the name of Jesus together. And I love, I love uh, this is Angel up here in the front here. He's been bringing some friends here, bringing some energy and worship. Love you, man. It's been awesome. So, so I'm, I'm grateful to be here. We're going to look at a psalm today. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 37. And uh, this is a challenging, challenging psalm. And it's something I've kind of wrestled through this week. It's something I've wrestled through for the past couple of years. It's a, it's a psalm that asks a very hard question. And so I just feel a sense of just needing to go before the Lord right now and just ask for his blessing and his grace as we open his word this morning. So will you guys pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this church, and I thank you for this moment right now as we open up your scriptures and, and, and hear from you. God, I pray that you would remind us over and over again because we forget it. Remind us that you're in control. Remind us that you're in charge. Remind us that you love us. Remind us that you make a way. Remind us that our, our struggles are temporary. Our battles with evil are temporary. You are on the throne, Jesus. We celebrated the fact last week that the tomb is empty. Death has been defeated. You hold the keys, Jesus. You hold the keys. And I just pray, God, that today that if anyone is in here who's struggling or afraid or burdened or angry or whatever they're sensing or going through, that they would come to you honestly and meet you in this place. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So we're in Psalm 37. One thing I love about the Psalms is that they are brutally honest. If you've ever wondered if you could be honest with God, honest about your feelings, honest about your fears, honest even in those moments where you are angry, You are confused. You don't understand how this is God's will. When you are in that spot, when you want to be honest, the Psalms remind us that God welcomes us to be honest with him. Psalm after Psalm after Psalm is written from a place of honesty of God. I don't understand this. I don't get this. I don't know why this is happening, but I have to bring it to you. And at the end of the day, I just ask that you'd give me the faith to trust you with whatever comes my way. That's what we see in the Psalms. 
Well, today's psalm is no different because in today's psalm, David, King David, he's writing this psalm. It's a sermon, actually, and he's wrestling through an incredibly challenging question. And it's a question that I've wrestled through, especially over the last two years. It's a question that I wrestled through just this past week as I've dealt with some pain back at home. It's a question that you have probably wrestled through at some point in your life. It's a question that different men and women wrestled through even in Scripture. It's a question that we ask ourselves at certain points when life seems to be dark, when life seems to be challenging, when we're going through struggles. And in light of everything that's been going on in the world the past couple of years, I think it's a question we're asking more now than ever before. And the question is this. This is David's question for all of us this morning, and it's the title of my sermon, and it is this. Is evil winning? You guys ever asked that question? Have you ever wondered when you turn on the news, when you open up social media, when you open up the newspaper, if you still do that, I'm not sure if you guys open those up anymore, or if you get whatever emails, have you ever asked yourself, is evil winning? Like, I thought that was, I was on the right side of history here. I thought I was on the good team, but it seems like the good team is getting destroyed by the bad team. And, and everywhere I look, there's fear, there's fighting, there's conflict. Neighbors are going, rising up against neighbors. There, there's, there's chaos, there's unrest. You think about the last couple of years, we've seen it more than ever before. You see what COVID did is it just put everything into hyperspeed. So we're already headed this direction in a, in a number of ways with some of the conflicts that we're experiencing today. But, but COVID just kind of created even more conflict, put things into hyperspeed. And so for the past couple of years, people have been asking, I know I've been asking, is evil winning? Who's going to win at the end of the day? Everywhere we look at this moment, it seems like there is fear and there is conflict. It feels like the world has been plunged into a cosmic battle between good and evil. And at times, it feels overwhelming. I don't know if you're there today. Maybe you're not, and if you're not, that's okay, that's good. I'm glad that you have that hope and that joy. But I know talking to people even just this past week... Talked to a gentleman in my office, overwhelmed. He's a farmer, has a good job, a good family, completely overwhelmed. The last thing he wanted to talk about in the midst of all that was gas prices. He's like, don't even talk about gas. On top of everything else I'm going through, I got to deal with gas now. I'm, I'm dealing with the loss of a loved one. Is evil winning? Now, you probably noticed uh, that I'm a bit of a, a, a movie fan. Anybody like movies in this place here? Okay, some of you guys like, I like movies. I like epic stories. I especially like epic fictional stories because epic fictional stories, they always have one thing in common, is, and it's this, that there's this cosmic battle between good and evil, light and darkness. That's what you see in every epic fictional story. It's this narrative of, of the world is, is, is about, everything's about to go bad unless light wins out in the end. And the cool thing about fictional stories, light always does win out in the end. Let me give you a couple examples of some of the fictional stories I like. The first one here is the Marvel Universe. Any Marvel fans in here today? All right. 
So my kids are huge Marvel fans. We got Iron Man, we got Spider-Man, we got the Hulk, we got Thor, we got bad guys like Thanos, we got Loki, all of these guys. Literally like galaxies are, are you know, being fought for and now there's the whole metaverse with Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man. Anybody like the new Spider-Man, by the way? I think that's like the best one. Okay, so there's that. Cosmic battles. Another example of this is Star Wars. Any Star Wars fans here today? Okay, we got more Star Wars fans. So here's some newer stuff. We got Kylo Ren. We got Rey. We had Skywalker, Darth Vader. This cosmic battle between light and darkness. Another good example, Lord of the Rings. Please tell me we got Lord of the Rings fans in here. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. We got hobbits and, and goblins and Gollum, whatever he is. And... Uh, Elves and dragons and Gandalf and all of that good stuff, this battle of light and darkness. And then finally, this one's a little controversial for some people, but it's still a good, good storyline. That's Harry Potter. Harry Potter, yeah, you're okay. it's okay. You're allowed to. It's all right. Harry, now, now, let me just say, there was magic in every single one of those vid- movies I just showed on the screen. Okay, Harry Potter just just highlights magic much more. So Harry Potter, you got Harry Potter, you got Voldemort, you got the Weasleys, you got Gryffindor, Slytherin, right? This cosmic battle, all of these movies, all these stories that we attach to in culture. We attach to these stories because we, we love that, that cosmic battle. And I think that we, we love the fact that we find ourselves somewhere in those stories. We know by experience, life can be a battlefield. We know by experience that living in this world can be a struggle. And so in today's passage, King David, he's writing to those who fear that maybe they're losing, that maybe evil is winning. He's writing to those who are concerned or anxious about the prosperity of evil in the world. So if you're struggling this morning with the fact that life seems unfair, Or if you're struggling with the fact that sometimes there is injustice, then this psalm is for you. And most of all, if you need to be reminded this morning that God fights for his people, and when God fights, God wins, then this psalm is for you. You see, the story of scripture is so much bigger and more glorious than all of those other stories I put up on the screen. It is a cosmic battle. There is really a battle waging on this earth between light and darkness, good and evil, between Satan and and, and angels and, and Jesus and the powers and forces of darkness. We talked about it at Easter, and I want you to know in the end, God fights for his people, and when God fights, God wins. That's what David wants to remind us of. So let's read our psalm. He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Don't be anxious or envious over wrongdoers, for they'll soon fade like the grass, they'll wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. 
Psalm 37 shows us three positive ways to respond when evil seems to be winning. And the first thing that David teaches us is this, take the long view. When you're in a moment where you're feeling like it's only bad all the time, evil's winning, there's no hope, there's no good. That was a guy in my office this last week. I've been there. I felt that. I'm going through some of that even this past year in my own life. What we need to do in that moment when it feels like only bad things are coming our way is we need to take the long view. He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade away like the grass and wither like the green herb. So taking the long view means having the discipline to step back and take a good long look into the future. Now some of you students in this church, you're about to graduate high school this year. Can we give it up for our students? Super, super proud of you guys. We also have students who are about to graduate college this year. What I love about that season of life is that you are given this, you're in this bubble where people are encouraging you and, and giving you the space to dream about the future. You get to dream about who you want to be, what you want to do, and you get some time and some space to get educated, to prepare yourself, to equip yourself to become who you one day want to become. And so students in the house this morning, I want to encourage you, keep looking ahead. Dream, dream, dream. Go after what God's put on your heart. And here's the thing. When you take the long view and you see who you want to be in the future, the important thing is this. Stay the course. Stay the course. God's put a dream in your mind of who he wants you to be and who you want to be. And he's given you opportunities. So stay the course. Look ahead. Stay the course. And everything will come to you that you're dreaming will come to you. Take the long view. When it comes to battling evil, we need to take the long view. You know, it may seem at times that evil is winning. But we can't forget, just like we learned last week at Easter in the book of Revelation, when we talked about the risen Christ, we cannot forget when the world seems to be shaking, when things seem to be crazy around us, when evil seems to be prospering, we cannot forget that God is the one who will have the final say. He's the one. God will have the final say. He won't leave evil unchecked. He's a God of justice, and he's a God who will judge the world for sin. And it's frustrating in the moment when sin is prospering. It's frustrating in the moment when the wicked are prospering. But one thing we need to remember, according to this psalm, is that the wicked have no future. He says this in verse 37. He says, look at those who are honest and good. For a, a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. But the rebellious person, that person will be destroyed. They have no future. Good comes to those who stay the course, who remain faithful to the Lord. But destruction comes to those who do evil. And so David's message is this. I know life is hard. I know life is confusing. I know what you see on the news is making you angry and anxious. And you're wondering, is evil winning? Here's the answer. I want you to remember this. Fret not. Don't be concerned about evildoers. They're going to fade away like the grass. They're going to wither up like the green herb. Kind of like what we see with wildflowers on the field. They're here one day they're gone the next according to David evildoers and evil in general are only temporary threats 
They're imposing in the moment, but like wild grass growing in the desert, as soon as the hot sun comes out, they will wither away. Take the long view. One thing you're going to have to wrestle through as a believer is do you believe at the end of the day that God wins? Don't give up. Don't give in. Jesus wins. That's why you can endure hardship. That's why you can still have hope in the midst of suffering and pain. That's why you can still have faith even when it seems like the world is taking a crazy, even demonic at times, direction. You can have hope. You can have joy. You can have life because you know that in the end, God will take care of of evil. God wins. Don't give up. Don't give in. Christian, God is for you and with you, and nothing can stand against you if he's in your corner. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. Now, with that being said, this psalm does pose big a question. And the question is, who are the evildoers? Talking about evildoers in this psalm, who are these evildoers? Well, in fictional stories, it's pretty easy to identify the bad guys. I threw up Harry Potter there on the screen just a moment ago. Uh, The main bad guy in Harry Potter is a guy named Voldemort. Um, Voldemort, uh, he looks like a snake. His uh, nickname is the Dark Lord, and his buddies are called Death Eaters. No one hears that description and says, man, he sounds like a really nice guy. (laughs) Everyone knows Voldemort is a bad guy. If your friends are Death Eaters, you look like a snake, you're called the Dark Lord, then apparently, obviously, you're a bad guy. You're not the guy I'm going to have babysit my kids, okay? You're not the guy that I'm going to become best friends with unless I want my life to go sideways. Okay, so we know in, in movies, you're watching a movie, you're reading a book, whatever you like in, in those, those genres, it's usually easy to identify the wrongdoers. But in real life, it's not always that simple because it depends on who you talk to. It depends on what news channel you turn on. It depends on what newspaper you open. Who are the wrongdoers? Doers. Well, the word wrongdoers is a combination of two Hebrew words. The words are asa and avla. Asa means to do or to create or to manufacture. That's that word on the right, asa. Avla kind of sounds like the word evil in English, avla. Uh, and it means evil. It means wickedness. It means injustice. And so wrongdoers in this text, they are those who manufacture evil. The wrongdoers in this text are those who create wickedness, who do injustice. And the emphasis of these words is on harming others. That's the wrongdoers. Harming others, especially harming the innocent. Those are the wrongdoers. The wrongdoers are those who create ways, dream up ways, write into law ways to intentionally harm the innocent. Those are the wrongdoers. Well, when we see wrongdoers prospering in life, our natural inclination is to become anxious and to become angry. But three times, you know what David says? Fret not. Fret not yourself, fret not yourself, 
Fret not yourself. The word fret in Hebrew, it literally means to burn on the inside. The reason we don't need to burn on the inside when we see evildoers prospering is because we know that vengeance belongs to the Lord and God will repay. God takes care of evil. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't stand against evil. This doesn't mean that we don't fight against evil. But at the end of the day, God is the judge. And so this is what God says in in Romans. He says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, this is Paul speaking, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, I, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. This is a warning for wrongdoers. You see, sometimes people think that they're going to get off for sin. Maybe they fooled others, they've gotten away with it, they've harmed others, and they've made a habit out of harming others, and they think that they'll continue to get off scotch-free. But here's the thing, God will one day repay. God sees, God cares, God fights against injustice, and he is the one who vengeance belongs to. And, and And here's the thing, when I look at the world today, I see amazing examples of love and hope, but I also see, especially in the time we've been living through, I see a lot of burning rage, burning rage even in Christians. And I get it. I get why people are rageful and angry, because sometimes anger is good, right? There is such a thing as righteous anger. We should be angry, for example, when people try to steal the innocence of our children. We should be angry about that. We should be angry when we see people dehumanized. We should be angry when good is called evil and evil is called good. But there's also something called wrath. And wrath belongs to God. Psalm 37, 8. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, he says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? What's the word that he uses? With good. So if wrath is not our response to evil, if, if we need to trust God with evil, it doesn't mean that we don't fight back. It doesn't mean that we don't, we don't stand our ground. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. But at, at the end of the day, we have to trust that God will repay evil, that God is the judge. Then what is our job? If wrath is not our job, then what is our job as Christians if we want to fight back when we feel like the world is spinning out of control? Well, David's answer and Jesus' answer and Paul's answer is this. Number two, do good. Do good. If you want to make a difference on this planet, if you want to make a difference in this church and in this community, then Jesus calls on you as his body of believers, his people, people chosen and set apart by him and for him, he calls you to do good. Psalm 37.3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. The only way to combat the prosperity of evil is to do good. And when we think that, when we hear this, the first person that should come to our minds is Jesus Christ himself. You see, Jesus' life and ministry, it was so revolutionary because instead of destroying evil with evil, 
Instead of using a sword, Jesus fought darkness with light. Instead of a weapon, he used a cross. Jesus says things like this. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. When you see evil, when you see injustice, when you see the wicked prospering, do you respond with good? Jesus did. Jesus saw our wickedness. Jesus saw our sin. Jesus saw the rebellion of the world, and he came to fight evil with good. He came not with a sword, but with a cross, and so he calls on us to Fight up against evil by doing good. To pray for those who we, who we hate, to, to love our enemies, to, to, to pray and, and not curse those who would abuse us. And so one of the challenging things about this psalm is that, is that we are called to love and pray for even those who do wrong. Because here's the thing. Technically in this psalm, we're all the wrongdoers. Technically, we all deserve the wrath of God. But in love, Jesus responded to our evil with good. In love, Jesus gave us a new chance and a new life through the cross. And so if Jesus didn't respond to our evil by heaping evil on top of us, if he responded to our evil with good in our sin with forgiveness, then we should learn like him. This is the biggest challenge as a Christian to actually live like Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. To actually live and love like Jesus. And this is the time where we are tested. The time we're living through right now. Will we love like Jesus or not? Will we live like Jesus or not? And so when evil is winning, the only way to overcome it is to do good. This is a reminder that Christians have a higher calling. A great example of this is, is uh, Dr. King. Uh, I, I love Dr. King. I read his autobiography. Dr. King was a, a pastor and a civil rights activist. He would, he would go and he'd fight for civil rights and then he'd show up to church on Sunday and he'd preach sermons. And he said some of these things in some of his sermons. He says, darkness this is a famous one. Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. He says this, always be sure to struggle with Christian methods and Christian weapons. Never succumb to the temptation of becoming bitter. As you press on for justice, be sure to move with dignity and discipline using only the weapon of love. You see, if you allow the anger of a situation to overcome you, then in that moment you become incapable of doing good. This is not just for our battle with the world. This is also with our family members. You ever been wronged by a family member? You ever grown angry or anxious about what a family member is doing? If you allow wrath to take over in your life, you will never be able to reconcile and repair and, and, and find peace and healing with that family member. The only way to begin healing and reconciling and growing is to commit yourself to doing good, even when doing good is hard, even when doing good hurts, because Jesus did good all the way till the moment he had nails driven through his hands and feet. That's the Savior we worship, a Savior who is committed to doing good. And what encourages me about our culture today, even though in those times I feel a little overwhelmed and despairing, 
What encourages me today is I know that there are Christians in every corner of our culture today who are committed to doing good. God has people who love him and trust him and lean into him in every little crevice of society today who are committed to doing good. There are Christians in our schools committed to doing good. There are Christians in office committed to doing good. There are Christians in uniform committed to doing good. You are committed to doing good. God has you wherever you are for a reason so that you can be light in the midst of darkness. Do you guys believe that today? God chose you to be a picture of hope and of life and of light and of good. And if you choose to trust God and you choose to do good, then there's an amazing promise in this passage. He says this in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. The promise in this passage is that when you make the Lord your delight, when you trust God to, to, to work on your behalf and you make faith your direction, then everything else that you are longing for will come to you. God's in control. He's got it figured out. Stay the course. Do good. Lean into him. Trust him. Rely on him. Vengeance is his. He will repay. Take one step in front of another, in front of another. Choose to do good. Choose to show love. Choose to trust even when it's dark because God will come through. The desires of your heart will be satisfied. Jesus is alive on the throne. So continue to do good. Yeah, hallelujah. And finally, number three. When evil's winning, we don't just do good. We don't just take the long view. Finally, we roll our problems onto God. My grandfather passed away this week. And he's uh, why I'm a pastor today. And so when I was down there with... Uh, with my family. It's, it's been a crazy week, not just because of that, but because of other things, and even just getting ready for this sermon today. I remember waking up this morning and being like, man, I'm, I do, I'm just not ready to preach today. And then I was with you guys, and you guys always lift me up, but I'm reminded when I was with my family that when we are at our lowest, and we feel like we have to carry all of the burdens and all of the grief in all of the pain, God's arms are actually wide open to us. And he says, commit, commit, your, commit your worries to me. Trust me. Don't be anxious about anything. Roll your problems on to me. He says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him. And when you trust God, he'll act. He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord. You don't have to work it all out. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't always have to know what to say. Sometimes you could actually just rest and be still. And you may not know what God's plan is, but guess what? He's got your back. You can roll your burdens onto God. The word commit, the word commit in, the, in Hebrew, it literally means to roll onto. And so the image here that should come to mind is of those heavy burdens that you and I carry. And that we have the tendency of loading up on our shoulders. And these burdens are burdens sometimes of fear or of regret. 
their sins, anxiety, bitterness, hurt, anger, struggles with relationships, struggles with our health, being far from God, things just not working out in our lives, these these problems that weigh us down and weigh us down and beat us up and, 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 and hang over us. And you know what God says in the midst of all of it? The world may feel like it's it's on your shoulders. God says, roll it on to me. Roll it on to me. Whatever your burdens are, God invites you to roll them onto him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because why? He cares for you. God cares for you. Some of you are here today laden with burden after burden. You want hope. You feel like you just want to be light and free once again. God says today you can be free again. You can roll your burden onto me. And so the healthiest way to respond in moments where evil seems to be winning is to roll our burdens on to God. Your shoulders can't take it, but God's shoulders can. You know what it looks like to roll your burdens on to God? It means to trust him. It means to trust him with whatever you're going through. It means to trust him with whatever you have gone through. It means to put one foot in front of the other and trust that he is ultimately for you and going to work everything together for your good. And when you trust God with the burden, when you trust God with the outcome, he will carry you, he will vindicate you. Your setbacks in this life are only temporary setbacks. Your pain in this life is only temporary pain. Turn to God, he'll remove the clouds, he'll bring forth your righteousness as the light, he'll vindicate you, he'll fight your battle. All you need to do is lean on him, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's my message for you today, South Valley. Wait on the Lord. I don't know where you need to wait today. I don't know if you're trying to force something to just be smoothed out in your life or you're, you're trying to get your old life back or you're trying to get your old, this old relationship back or you're just struggling with something and, and you've tried this and tried that and nothing's worked. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and look at God and say, God, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know how I got here. I don't know what's going on. The world is not helping me with this. Everything seems out of control. Sometimes we got to just step back and say, you know what, God, here we go. I trust you. I trust you. This was not a surprise to you, what I'm going through right here, right now. This is no surprise to you. You are in control. You are in charge. I trust you. I'm going to be still. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to lean into you. And so when evil seems to be winning, South Valley, here's my takeaway for you. When evil seems to be winning, number one, take the long view. Choose not to be overwhelmed by the present. Instead, take a step back. Remember that God will have the final say. The wicked will not prosper. Don't give up. Don't give in because we know Jesus wins. Number two, do good. Choose love over anger, kindness over revenge. Choose to dwell not on the evil, not on the bad. Maybe this means this week you need to turn the news off this week. Maybe this week you need to not go on social media this week. Maybe your mind has just been poisoned week after week by all the bad and all the depressing. If you want to begin to have a new outlook on life, maybe this week you need to not only do good, but dwell on good. Because even when life is hard, there is still blessing upon blessing in every one of our lives. We have breath in our lungs today. 
We belong to an amazing community where we get to worship alongside amazing believers. There is still amazing good in our lives. Do good. When evil seems to be winning, combat evil with good. And finally, roll your problems onto God. Entrust your problems, your burdens to God. Allow him to roll back the clouds of darkness and to shine his light upon your cause, whatever that cause may be. I want to give you guys a second right now to pray. I know in all the busy rushing of having to take the kids here and school this and work that and grocery shopping and $6 gas, gas at the gas station and all that stuff, it's like we don't ever have a time to just slow down and talk to God. So before we close with the song, I'm going to give you just a moment right now. This is a gift where you can roll your burdens on to him. Whatever those burdens are, big or small, take a moment right now, and then we're going to close with a song. I'm going to give you a moment, and then the band will lead us. Father God, the challenge of this psalm is to be still. We have the hardest time being still. We struggle with quiet and rest and focusing on you. Today, quiet our minds, we pray. Quiet our hearts, we pray. Help us to trust you with the hard things, the heavy things. Help us to trust you with the good things, our blessings and our burdens. I just pray whatever we are enduring, whatever we are facing, that we would trust you with our path, that you would guide us, that you would direct us, and that when we are feeling overwhelmed and like the world is crashing down on us and the weight of, of everything is on our shoulders, help us to roll those problems onto you and help us in that moment to be still. Anything that might poison our minds this week, I pray that you would begin to take those things away and allow us to focus on the good. Allow us to remember that you are in control, to take the long view that you, God, are not surprised by anything that happens in this world. You went to the cross. You rose for our salvation. You, you delivered that fatal blow to Satan and death. And one day, Jesus, you will return as a, as a warrior king and you will make right all the wrongs of this world. Help us to trust you, to do good, to follow your example, to put one foot in front of the other, to not be anxious or weighed down by the worries of life, but to live in the freedom and in the joy and in the love of the Lord. You love us so much, God. Remind this church today of how much you love us. You fight for us. You're with us. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.